and th- I know I'm going a little bit over here, but but think about this too. When you talk to your clients about neuroesthetics and 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 you're using these different words, all of a sudden you've elevated the conversation and you've put yourself up above your competition that's not doing that. And, you know, and I think many of us, at least in North America, and I often hear the imposter syndrome. It's like, oh, I feel like an imposter in this. And you know what? When you've got science has your back, science has your back. Science for over 30 years has been telling you that you improve health. When you start to unpack this and realize it, that whole confidence builds up, that whole imposter syndrome diminishes, that vocabulary changes, and all of a sudden you're really in a powerful, you can empower the whole, the, the, you know, the whole project and the clients and really make them feel that they have chosen the right designer or the right architect or the right products. What we are going to tell about? It is uh, it is based on the article you sent me from this with this uh, furniture manufacturers. I got a lot of information out of it uh, because of the the, the vision was uh, well told over there about how you see uh, the future of interior design. Mm-hmm. So, um, what I did is I'm uh, literally at four uh, four p.m. here. I'm going to introduce you both. And then I'm just going to ask you to tell uh, us a little bit about your background. It's most of the time more interesting than I have uh, this full list of of your background because I got a lot of big introduction. I was like, okay, this is the podcast already. Now we have to (laughs) go to the main content. Um, Then I would like to start with you, Peter, uh, because you uh, observed uh, neuroesthetics over the 30 years. Sure. And, and, and hey, by the way, my name yeah, my name's Mike. <laughs> Mike, I, I sorry, I said Peter. that's all right, Harry. That's oh. okay, Harry. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Oh, I made a, a name mistake. Oh, sorry. No, I know Mike. Yeah, I will make this the same mistake again. So let's talk, to Mike. Um, so um, backgrounds, ladies first, then Mike, then a little bit about neuroesthetics because what is it exactly? Is- Sure. Yeah. So then uh, I want to uh, get more in the part of that. Uh, we can touch the emotions and the experience of designers. So you had a story about you were on a trade show and with this furniture, with this uh, solid wood furniture. Or So there we, I think that's a great introduction to go to the emotions of interior design. You know where you talk about in the article, uh, Linda? Yeah. Um, yes. When we walk through, Mike and I often um, will attend trade shows together. And, you know, and, and the same messaging we see over and over again is we sell solid wood furniture. And yeah. the same applies, same applies to interior designers. Um, you know, we, we create... Don't tell me, don't tell me more. Don't tell me okay. more. It's great, that, it's great that we're doing it this live because then it's new information for me and I can get you going. I can get okay, you good, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the mood. Before you go on, Mike, you know where I'm going with that, eh? Yeah, yeah. When it comes to interior designers, how they... I, I saw that as a, uh, as a great bridge to, uh, to touch the uh, emotional part of interior design and then switch to the science because they all are intuitive romantic, passionate, talking about feelings, you know, this is designers. So uh, I want to tap on that because they, they know this world and then uh, going back, go back to the science. So uh, a trade show a little bit. Um, then uh, I want to talk about the proof. So talk about the proof that the power to heal. So yeah. uh, what happens in our brain or in our body, huh? like this thing of goosebumps, breathtaking, uh, mesmerizing, I can imagine this kind of emotions. Huh? They're all part of the body uh, thing. Uh, our brain maybe a little bit. So uh, then you made a really cool subject. I will introduce it in, in our conversation, uh, Linda. But you told me uh, our brain seek out details. It's about the uncluttered modern design. I was... Uh, well, attracted by that, that it is that it is maybe not right that everybody wants an uncluttered room, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Say, say that again, Mark. I I didn't quite understand that. Ah, yeah. she was she was uh, Linda told in the article that a, a lot of people will argue that they prefer an uncluttered modern design, and research mm. demonstrated that being in that kind of sterile environment can negatively affect mood. 
Got it. Okay. So we this guy, Mike, we think we want that. We see it out there. We fall in love with it, but living in it is a different thing. And I can also um, just very quickly in that comment, just even talk about like in Canada, gray is a color that everybody wants to paint their homes. Science and research has identified that actually that that leads to higher stress levels when you're in a in a predominantly monochromatic or gray environment. Your body, your mind is constantly looking because we came from nature, and that's where Mike really needs to say something about our evolutionary inheritance early. Yeah, yeah, we will. We will. I love it. There's also uh, uh, the new trend called clutter core. That could be something that uh, interacts with that. Yeah, Ah. that 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 means like uh, uh, what's her name, Kondo, that your house doesn't have to be clean again. It, It can be a bit messy. The opposite of Marie Kondo, almost. Yeah, no, but she, but she's she's advocating that right now. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between clutter and clean. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so clutter, you know, because it evokes memories, it evokes all kinds of emotions. When you have, you you call it clutter. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it clutter. These are part of my collections, my my life journey. Yeah. That I want within yeah. my space. That's, that's this is wonderful because this yeah. is touching our philosophy. Form follows meaning. That's the whole idea of the institute. Form follows meaning. So if you can uh, if you can add that to the story, we have a great bridge between that we are talking the same religion because we are on the same mission. That's yeah. what people need to feel because you're literally the, the, and when, and, hey guys, yeah, yeah when form we, follows we, feeling. Form follows yeah. That's what Kelly uh, yeah. from the mayor said in his in his podcast, and then he was like, okay, maybe it's more about meaning because from a meaning you get a feeling, and then you go back to yeah. Yeah, and and when we start talking about clutter, we'll be sure to talk about the concept of organized complexity. Yeah, Mike, uh, you'll talk on that a little bit yeah, more. It, that's that's really really important because it's it's fundamental to us. It's in our DNA. We seek it out. Yeah, it's uh, your background. Your... Yeah, just like your background. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. You are already uh, you are one team, so uh, you know when to interrupt each other. And I will make sure that I get a really cool story and I keep you going in the right direction. Right. So, uh, I'll, Mark, I'll, I'll try and get a word in edgewise. <laughs> I will give you the stage if you need to. Yeah. He's talking, I, this about, is the, me. He's talking about me. <laughs> I know. I, uh, we had Paul and Celine uh, uh, the first time with two podcast guests at the same time. It worked pretty well, but he was a little bit on the, on the background, but he, he, he had a great comeback at the end. So, um, well, then, um, um, what do you know about Richard uh, Taylor? He was uh, called about his calming effect carpet. Dr. Dr. Taylor, Dr. Richard Taylor. Dr. Taylor, okay. Um, And he's he's a professor at the University of Oregon. I'm already losing my mind here. Yeah, Um, (laughs) Richard is a um, a professor of, a PhD and professor of physics, psychology, and art at the University of Oregon. And he's kind of renowned around the world for his understanding of fractal flu- <clears throat> fractal fluency. Uh, and it's it's a component of mathematics uh, tied to the Fibonacci. And it's it's he's a fascinating guy. He's one of our faculty members for our certification. Yeah. Program. So sorry to interrupt you, but I, I just want to know he he uh, what I saw is he created a carpet that's scientifically designed to induce a calming effect. That's true. Yes. Okay. Yes, Get, from so. Mobile. That's that's cool because it's what's the purpose of a carpet, you know, and then a, a calming effect. That's great. So we can refer to that as a really practical object design pro- uh, product. Yes, excellent. Yes. Um, then maybe you and we have do have time for that. I love to talk about your uh, uh, your wristbands that you were wearing on the Milan show. Oh, oh sure. That's- Okay, that was uh, 2019, and what yeah, they were doing. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I was just in. Uh, if, if it's necessary, I will guide you in that story. If we need to add it, but I do think we have a lot to talk about. We do. That's, I, I yeah. just these are the things. I don't want to talk too much about biophilic design because then we are going too much no. into that zone. I don't want yeah, to be the institute of biophilic design. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Then, um, well, then I think we are perfectly ready to go. So uh, yeah, looking forward to hear uh, more about it. Literally, because it, I, I'm I'm getting really excited now. From I was excited, getting excited from this article. I was like, I want to know more now. That's a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, in the first place, I was a little bit 
or overwhelmed about all this science was like, how can we make it a cool story out of it? Because it's, it is science, mm -hmm. but this is, this is, it, it is the proof. So that's, uh, that's cool. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm having a brain freeze right now. Back to Richard Taylor. He is the world leading expert in what's the name of that artist? And I'm having a complete senior moment right now. Jackson um, Pollock. Jackson Pollock. Jackson he is Pollock. the world leading. Um, um, uh, um, like he he analyzes the Jackson Pollocks. He he is one of the leading experts on Jackson Pollocks and the fractal patterning from Jackson Pollock. So, you know, he's. He's quite um, steeped in this, not just from mathematical, but also from the art side, too. Just thought I'd throw that out there so you knew that. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, then uh, we can calm down with our energy a little bit because this was rushing to the minute. I, I'm shutting down my audio. I talk to you guys in the end. Okay, yeah. Sven. Have a good one. Sven, Sven is managing the chat. So, uh, yeah, we're going to add the people in the room. And then, uh, well, we just welcome can welcome them uh, for a few minutes, and then we start in uh, one or two minutes because uh, we always do appreciate the people that show up right on time, and we do have the recording, so we just start in uh, right there. Okay. Yep. Great. Let's get them in. There are always people attending uh, at the end. Before we already had people joining uh, one hour before. Hi there, everybody. Again, familiar faces. Hi there. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening for some people. I see some following for Mike and Linda. Cool. Some new uh, new names, new faces. Well, if you want to join with your video, it's uh, it's quite cool for us to see you. But I can imagine you uh, you would like to do something else in between, maybe or whatever. So welcome. Great to have you at the Interior Design uh, live video podcast. Hi there. Cool. Well, from the people that are joining us uh, more often, we they know we are literally started uh, at the at the at the at the right on time because we we do like that. So uh, let's start this uh, Beyond the Terror Design podcast. All right. Okay, we do have the most amazing profession in the world, right? Agree? Yes, of course. So for the people who just see me or hear me for the first time, I'm Mark Miskens. Nice to meet you. And together with Sven van Buren and the rest of our team, we're running our own interior design studio, Masters of Interior Design, and even the more satisfying company, Institute of Interior Impact, where we train and mentor interior designers to take their business to the next level too. Therefore, I'm so grateful we're not only helping our clients by designing and creating meaningful environments, but also to empower our global community beyond the terror design. To do the same, to create the impact they really want to make. You could say by designing a healthy business and a healthy life. So seriously, this today is not something you want to miss because it is proven that IKEA, actually Apple, and so many other companies in the furniture, but also cosmetics and food industry, use neuroscience to change your behavior. But the overall perception of our industry is that we exist to help people create pretty rooms. Our view is different. You know that by now, we believe in this magical part beyond the terror design, and there's the real value of our industry. And now there is proof measured by science that's game-changing and cutting edge, and we can even provide better health for our clients. Or with the exact word of my podcast guests of today, because there are two, the problem is that most of us who work in interior design and home furnishings don't see ourselves that way. And I'm talking about the fineness of science and design. Science and design is dedicated to educating the interior design industry on the physical and emotional health benefits of beauty, nature, and fine design. Their mission is to help the design industry incorporate the healing power of beauty, the power documented by the study of medicine and neuroesthetics. Therefore, I'm proud to have them in our live video podcast today because this is definitely beyond the terror design. Please give them a warm welcome live from Canada. 
Linda Kafka and Mike Peterson. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. You get an applause. Yes. <laughs> but you're not standing. They should have been standing. Oh, sorry. Yeah, everybody should be standing. Maybe at the end, Mike, you need to deserve the standing ovation. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, let's start with you, Linda. Great to have you. Tell us tell us more about your your background, your connection with interior design before we dive into the science. Thank you, thank you. Um, my background originally started in marketing back in the '80s when marketing was, uh, you know, not really thought of or respected as a profession. It was uh, 2009. Fast forward to 2009, um, I was hired to repurpose a building in Toronto and and create a design center. And it was really Canada's first design center. So not only was I the marketing director, but I was the general manager of about 250,000 square feet of permanent showroom spaces, and we had a, um, a furniture show. Uh, attached to that. And as a result of, of, um, of my role there, I was responsible for driving traffic in and always looking at education, um, education, building community. I didn't want to just come in and, you know, and talk about what the new, newest trends were, because that wasn't really helping mm -hmm. the interior industry. And so through my job, I had the opportunity to travel. And um, I would often attend the High Point Furniture Market, which if you are, if you do ever attend that, it's been around for over 100 years. Um, it is the furniture show in North America. Uh, I've had the opportunity to go to Maison and Objet and Salone. And it was in uh, 2019 when I um, discovered the place for being at Salone and learned about neuroaesthetics for the first time, not realizing that there was somebody else also on this parallel path. And that was April. And in October, um, I ended up at the, as I often go to the High Point Furniture Market at one of the showrooms. Uh, the car was packed. I was ready to go home. It was towards the end of the um, of my stay there. And um, I came across Mike Peterson. And I was just blown away with his Design Harmony presentation because it was exactly um, validated what I was already learning in neuroaesthetics. So Mike based in the United States and I'm based in Canada and ah. we're a dynamic duo in the Canadian, in the North American, actually global as we bring more and more information about this. Yeah. That's my little, my little snippet, but I've got much more, but we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> no, but good to know your background. Do you, Mike, after that, we want to know uh, how the beauty improves our health, but uh, tell me more. What's your connection? Well, my connect, my connect, my background is mostly in marketing, and uh, I've been involved in the publishing business uh, for for most of my career. I was publisher of magazines like House Beautiful, Country Living, and uh, uh, I was inside the furniture industry for a while. and And my connection to all of this is 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 really an interesting story. Um, I was actually uh, having lunch with an architect in uh, in Denver, Colorado. Uh, and his name is Don Ruggles. Don is also the author of Beauty, Neuroscience, and Architecture. Uh, and so in the course of this lunch, I just wanted to sell him a page of advertising, but he wasn't having anything of it. He All he wanted to do was talk about beauty and how beauty improves health. And honestly, uh, you know, I was an advertising guy, and I it, the first 15 minutes, it was just going right over my head. Um, but after some, he said something, and a small light went on, and the more he talked, the brighter the light got for me. And so it, this whole passion and love of what we're doing right now, trying to share this information uh, that that interior design and beauty improve health, uh, that's where it was born. It was rather serendipitous. I mean, if I hadn't had lunch with Don Ruggles, I'd still be selling advertising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I, I saw your quote. Eh? Like, if, if designers create beauty and beauty improves health, then designers can improve health. I was like, hey, that that's yeah. I really, really do like it. Like, like we are kind of design doctors, right? Well, yes. it's it's interesting you say that that way. It, it it's the classic axiom: if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. And and the bottom line is that because of because of what neuroscience has been doing over the last 35 years or so, um, studying us, studying our industry, studying beauty. And they can now, because of scanning and biomapping, um, they can now uh, determine uh, just what part of the brain lights up when we see something of beauty. And so the 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 opportunity for our industry is is to take advantage of the fact that we create as an industry we create beauty. Yeah. And when we do, 
um, we improve health. We now know it. The heart rate goes down. The, the blood pressure goes down. Um, beauty is calming. It creates a GSR, a galvanic skin response, all of which is now measurable. And it's it's terribly exciting uh, for our industry because, as you said in your beginning, um, you know, most of us think that the, uh, most of the world thinks that interior design creates pretty rooms. And mm -hmm. that's just we as an industry, we do so much more than that. We've always kind of felt that we make people feel better yeah. intuitively. But honestly, it's now documented. It is now measured and documented. And I mean, everybody's buttons should be popping right now. And uh, just because of uh, uh, of what science knows that we all have to learn. Yeah, great. Yeah, there, there is the proof. So that, that's why I was so curious about it, because we, we can tell it as designers. Hey, I want to make you feel good. I want to create an environment where you can grow, where you can live on your own terms, that you feel happy, that you can do more about the things you love and less of the things you hate to do. But all these phrases are a kind of gut feeling, intuition, eh? or, or positivity. You could call it that way. Clients can be like, okay, yeah, sounds good. But it, it's, it is proven. And they know it afterwards. If they have an environment like that, and you did the design job in a good way, they feel it. Eh? It improved their life, literally. But up front, it's hard to... Hard to, to say it, and it's hard to measure. So I will dive into that uh, uh, deeper with you because I, I love to do that later on. But uh, first of all, neuroaesthetics, this term, you are, you are uh, observing it for 30 years, Mike? More than well, 30 years? I've been learning about it for the last seven or eight years. <clears throat> but the, the world of neuroscience has, has been uh, studying the concept of beauty, and it's led to a little bit of a splinter, a new portion of neuroscience that is now called neuroaesthetics. It's the convergence of science and design. And yeah. so now you have specialists uh, uh, at uh, Johns Hopkins, the Mayo Clinic, uh, Boston Architectural College, and other institutions in the States uh, and, and, uh, and leaders uh, around the world studying how uh, this whole concept of converging beauty, aesthetics, and by the way, it's not just the visual beauty, it's the concepts of pleasure uh, that can be attained through all of the senses. So neuroaesthetics is not just what we see as being beautiful, it's, it's how the built environment immediately impacts us. And, and it, as I said earlier, it, it's now measured and documented, uh, the benefit. Yeah, wonderful. So you are, you are visiting um, more often trade shows. Linda, Mike, yeah, something together. What 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 is it that you see there? Well, how does it make you feel when you know when you know all this and you're walking around in in those halls and is yeah, some with, with a different vibe or different environment? They, they try to tease you or to 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 seduce you or whatever. How how does it? What kind of feeling you are looking at this kind of trade shows? You know, with this newfound um, emerging field of neuroaesthetics and the knowledge that we've acquired um, and the work that we're doing with the PhDs and academics and research, when Mike and I walk trade shows now, we really look look at it through a different lens. Um, first and foremost, we're both marketing people. And and what, and now we've got that layered on top of the neuroscience, uh, you know, the neuroaesthetics. And what we're seeing is lost opportunity everywhere, everywhere we turn, whether it's from the attendees themselves as designers, whether it's the furniture manufacturers, and I'm going to, you know, focus a little bit more on furniture manufacturing, because that tends to be, we, do, we tend to do a lot more work in the residential sector, although this transcends to all sectors. So if, and, and, and when I say sectors, it doesn't matter if you're in a healthcare, commercial, um, hospitality, the residential sector, it doesn't matter if you're in product development and design, or manufacturing or distributors, this actually relates to to everybody. And, you know, Mike and I will walk through it. I often, I will always chuckle when Mike says, there you go again, another person saying, we sell solid wood furniture. And it's like, really? Wow. They don't realize the benefits of wood. Just seeing wood grain itself can reduce your blood pressure by five, by five six beats per minute. So, you know, there's so many, you know. Um, Hurry, say, that, say that again. What, what does wood do? Just seeing wood grain, the pattern of wood, yeah. 
calms you. It has a calming effect. It, re, it can reduce your blood pressure by five, six beats per, uh, uh, per minute. So it reduces your, you know, that stress level. And, and as we, you know, in this world that is so highly stressed and so much pressure put on us, you know, what are we seeking? We're seeking to have a more calmer uh, life and environment. Now, the workplace, the work, um, those designers that work in the in the commercial sector or the workplace um, environments are understanding this. Residential designers haven't grasped onto it. So when Mike and I walk through the trade shows, Mike, remember when we walked through the High Point Furniture Market, when we walked through the kitchen and bath shows, the response yeah. that... Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because the furniture manufacturers uh, around the world still think they sell furniture. And and they don't. That's what they manufacture. Uh, what they sell is the emotional reward, the benefit of what that furniture does for you. So if a piece of furniture <clears throat> is perceived by an individual to be beautiful and have aesthetic qualities and have a, a tactile sensation when you run your hand over the wood grain or the feeling of, of the finish, um, there's something positive happening chemically in your body. It's impacting you um uh, uh in in a way that improves your health and so um it's it's it, and we see it all the time and it's it's very frustrating for Linda and I because as we get to know more and more again we're not the academics here we're we're marketing people uh and we're trying to take the message from the world of academia <clears throat> and take it out into the marketplace where it will have an enhanced value yeah. um, it, it, we always talk about how the uh, two neuroscientists will uh, it will call for a symposium. So you have 100 neuroscientists in one room. One of them gets up and, and lectures to the rest of them, and they all go back to their offices in their institutions. And that knowledge is what has to get out of their offices and their minds and out into the marketplace. And that's what's so frustrating for Linda and I as we uh, walk these trade it's, it's the same with interior designers. If you can put 300 interior designers in one room, but then what happens? We can complain well, about things. We can argue about things. We can talk about things has to change and our clients don't understand us and we need more sustainable products and whatever all our issues. But what happens is nothing. So that's what I really do like about this Beyond Interior Design podcast to combine all this expertise beyond interior design to get eh, in discussion with each other, to get to know the knowledge. Sustainability the same. We had Paul and Chalene about sustainability and they have all kinds of chemists and alchemists and biologists and uh, all technicians, they need to make sure that these products are right for us. Eh? They do the math, they do the science, and then they come up with a good product. But for a designer, it's hard to know if, it, if it's a good or a healthy product. And the same says for you. What, what, eh? we, need those, we need those scientific people with their measurements and proof that what's a good product for us, what's a healthy product and what's not, right? And, you know, if you watch people, and I love to watch people, uh, especially at trade shows, and, and it happens time and time again, especially like when you go to the furniture markets or, or even the kitchen bath, any actually any trade shows, you're seeing people touching. And when they feel and when they yeah. feel, for instance, fabrics or or and it can apply to the carpets, it can apply to the accessories, to the artwork, you know, you'll watch them and you'll see the awe that they have with certain pieces. Some some pieces attract, you know, a certain type of person personalities and, and others don't. And, you know, they perceive beauty in different ways, but it's over and over again, the manufacturers and even designers, designers will do it too. Just take a look at designers' websites. They all say the same thing. We design, we plan, we, you know, you know, um, they'll explain the process, but they don't explain what their design actually does for you and how it improves your health and your well-being. And that's the message that we really want to get out there. As Mike and I are, are, are extremely, as you can tell, passionate about this, but we really see this as changing the face of the industry. Yep. You know, we're not, when, when you think about um, you're not feeling well, your stomach's not feeling well, you're thinking, you know what, maybe I'm going to go see a natural path and try to do some natural remedies. Um, if you're, if your sciatica is acting up, your back is sore, you might go see a chiropractor. If you're in your space and you're not feeling excited and, or calm, or you're not feeling those great emotions, why are we not calling our interior designers to help <laughs> alleviate those problems and help us create better environments so that we can thrive in them? And that's Let me, let me add to that, Mark, real quick. Yeah. Um, because one of one of the quotes that we uh, uh, use in all of our uh, sessions and in all of our uh, summits and symposiums that we do, 
One of the quotes comes from the head of environmental medicine at the University of Texas. Her name is Dr. Claudia Miller. And she says, architects and designers have a greater ability to improve public health than medical professionals. Wow. Now, let, let that resonate for a minute. Let that sink in because that ought to spin everybody's head that's on this call right now. Because the medical industry, the people, doctors, the people we trust with our health are saying that we have a greater ability to improve health than they do. And to, to back that up, the head of the Center for Innovation at the Mayo Clinic, which is a major institution here in, in North America, he says the future of medicine is in the home. Now, how about that? I mean, you put those two things together and essentially what the role that Linda and I have are we're begging the industry to catch up. Again, science has known this now for 30 plus years and the co you know, the COVID experience, all it did was put an exclamation point on on the fundamental need that we have uh, to 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 enhance the value proposition of our industry. I mean, it's it, it's important. There's value there that's not being taken advantage of. Yeah. So it, it all has to do what comes back a lot in our podcast. And I'm happy to hear that because it's not about the next new shiny object putting in your environment and maybe you get bored after two days, some people after one year. Hey, what's, the, what's the meaning of it? What's the higher purpose? Why do you have those products or items in your life anyway? Hey, not talking about uh, what's good for the planet or your the rest of your environment. So it's all about this, this experience thing. Creating meaningful environments. Creating meaningful environments is going to um, uh, evoke some type of emotion. Meaningful, and, yeah. And the, goal, and the goal is to create a positive emotion to increase that serotonin and that dopamine, those oxytocin, all, all those different types of of, of um, uh, hormones that are going to trigger, you know, that feeling, uh, you know, create that um, feeling for you so that you really feel calm and that rest and relaxed uh, in your space as opposed to the fight, flight, freeze, I'm out of here. Yeah, I can't, you know, and often and many of us can experience that. Um, I relate to it when I look at real estate, you know, take something as simple as real estate. You're looking to buy a new home. You walk into a space and you go, oh, my God, I this is not for me. I'm out of here. I don't want it. I can't I can't put my finger on it. I don't like it. I don't like the space. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. And then yeah. there are other times when you go walk into it. Ikea does such a great job. Restoration Hardware is doing an amazing job with that. You sit on the sofa and you go, oh, my God, I can just move in. That's yeah. how we making our spaces feel. And, you know, and, and, and you know, and, and creating that type of feeling for your clients. You're an and alternative you know, Mike, resource, right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. That's a phrase that we're using more and more often and that science is using. Science looks at our industry and thinks of us as an alternative health resource. And it's a phrase, alternative health resource. It seems to work for a lot of designers. But I also want to add tag on to something that Linda just said. Don't think, for anybody listening right now, don't think that um, the, the ability to measure emotional reaction is just in the major institutions. We're working right now with two different companies um, uh, that are able to measure and actually predict where the unconscious mind, the subliminal brain, will be attracted. Uh, I'll start with uh, a technology called VAS. It's visual attention software from 3M. Essentially, um, they're able to use their software to predict where we will be, our minds and brains will be attracted in the first three or four seconds when the unconscious mind is in control. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is, is maybe I better back up just a moment. I was uh, going to say, talk, talk about yeah, the unconscious 90, mind first, Mike. Yeah, yeah because our, our, brain, our brain is quite complex, right? It's the most complex yeah. designed element in, our, in, in, it, in the universe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It, so. it is. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But yeah. you know, 95% of our conscious thoughts are unconscious first. And that's essentially the unconscious mind being in control for the first roughly three or four seconds of experiencing something new. So, I mean, I mean, just think how many times do we look at the front of a car and we see a, a facial hierarchy? You know, we see the two eyes, yeah. we see the map and so on. It happens all the time. That's our unconscious mind in control. And this software from 3M, VAS, 
uh, is able to predict where the unconscious mind will be attracted. So imagine taking a rendering as an interior designer and you it, they call it, uh, 3M calls it visual spell check. And so think of it that way. You can take a rendering and run it through the software and you will you will have your intuition corroborated uh, by running it through the software. The other software, um, and Linda knows a little bit more about this than I do, but the other software that we're beginning to work with is something called iMotions. iMotions is essentially software that can measure up to uh, seven different emotional reactions upon walking into a space. So just think, um, we're thinking about using it at High Point Market in October. Um, and if any of you want to join us, please do so, because we're going to have several different experiential events at High Point Market in October. Um, and, and so we're hoping to use iMotions, build a couple of pop-ups and have people similar to what Linda experienced in Milan, have people walk up into an environment and iMotion software will be able to read the emotional reaction that person has in that space. Do you, how does it work with kind of wristbands or how, what is no, it? It's, Linda, it's do you want to pick up? Yeah, it's a software, and then they're using um, they're using eye um, uh, eye tracking cameras, different devices that now iMotion sells the software, but there are other products that are aligned with that can actually do the monitoring. So the eyeglasses, the camera on your on your screen, and so on. And this can be done right from the office, you know, right from your office. Um, a designer. Uh, could work with their clients there. But what I like about it, what's exciting for me is, as Mike said, it can identify different emotions. So for instance, you put your rendering through this and it will automatically um, uh, detect whether you've, how many times you smiled, whether you smiled, or if you looked angry or you felt disgusted. And you can have now open up that conversation with your clients and say, when we ran this rendering through, this was the response that you had. Um, you know, you don't even realize that you have them because it happens within a split second. Yeah, and, and so what happens is you can now have that conversation with your client. Like you're looking at, let's say, a living room. You know, why did you feel we, we tracked or we were able to tell that you felt angry in that space? Is it the design or is it evoking a memory that you had? Maybe you often hit your, you know, your your leg on the coffee table and just sparked a memory that you had. And so you can have those conversations with your client um, once you are able to identify, you know, how they felt towards that, that imagery that they're looking. And this can also be done in person. There's different ways that this can be, this the iMotions um, um, tracking can be done. But it is it is revolutionary to the interior design industry, but not to the big companies out there like the like um you know advertisers or website designers or package yeah. designers they have this kind of heat kind of heat mapping and all this kind yeah. of technology already there Not yeah just heat mapping but the but eye motions can do galvanic skin responses and so on so it can it can monitor a lot more than just the you know where your predictive where your predictive where your eye is going to be um or predicting where your eye is going to look. So, so you definitely, you know, this, this. yeah, Mike, please. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. The, the point of this is that every one of the people on this call right now can access this, uh, this software. It's no longer, it's not just in a major uh, university or an institution or a medical facility. Uh, we can all access this and, and and uh, and I heartily recommend that that your your viewers consider doing that because this is look this is the future of design. We will uh, we will put a link on our website, uh, Mike and Linda. Okay. All right, then we can people can look it up. We can uh, and, uh, and want to know more about it because they know at the institute we are we're talking. A form follows meaning is our philosophy. So it's all about those emotions, and sometimes it's hard to deal with the emotions with our clients. They flutter, crisscross. Through a design process, they know they don't know what they feel, and sometimes even with science, I read about it in an article of yours that it, that it could be a mismatch about what they are telling you and what they are feeling literally. Yeah? you can you know when you get goosebumps or you feel uh, like a breathtaking space, and we all do have those great pronunciations for for talking about this emotion. They're physical emotions, actually. 
Mark, and if I can add to that, this isn't just about your renderings. You can use this for your marketing. So if you're creating your website, your business cards, your marketing brochures, your marketing material, if you're participating in events, um, you can use the same software to run it through to get a feeling for, for what, you know, especially the vast technology to identify where um, your, your clients are going to be looking at that ad and are they actually getting the messaging. And, and Mike, you've done that um, several times with your own clients. Yeah, I have. And, you know, what's interesting about VAS is that it's already being heavily used by packaged goods manufacturers. Think of the experience that we have as we're walking down a supermarket aisle and we're looking at potato chips or we're looking at different shapes of bags and colors and fonts. Which one is going to attract the subliminal brain, the unconscious mind? Yeah. So all that packaging is being designed, so much of that packaging is being designed using vast technology so that it it, it helps to attract, again, that unconscious mind. So you could yeah. you could say, if you if you talk about the entire design, uh, you, you are creating a design and people are talking about those, those eye catches they want, those wow factors included in their home, and you tell them how to do it, how to create it, what could be the wow factor. You can literally measure if this wow factor, well, where to put it, Huh? what it actually is, if it is a real wow factor or they are actually in the split second attracted by uh, with somebody well, else or something else. Well, what Vass will explain to us is, um, and, and I, I again, I would recommend you look into it, uh, but what Vass actually uh, can, what it measures are things like edges, color intensity, color contrast, not the color itself, but the contrast of colors, and also facial hierarchy. So those are the four primary elements that it will pick up. So I now have some of my designer clients essentially designing rooms using those four print those four elements as a way to design. Those now, are the, the those are we talk about design principles, huh? kind of kind of signature. You could say this is the this is the scientific signature of the of creating spaces. It's a, it's essentially a tool that they can use. Uh, that will that you know they want to have strong edges. They want to have color contrast in a room and color intensity. And so, uh, several of my clients are now designing based on those elements. What, what about color? Because uh, we had a color, uh, we had a podcast about color. Color, we we all do experience color in a different way. Is it is it not one of the most complex things? Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> yes, okay. Well, tell and, me more you know, about it. Tell me the know, scientific part, not the... Okay, you know, and I'm, I'm not the academic in here. We do have in our faculty color expert. Um, yeah. You know, I for my years at the design center and traveling around and, and working and educating designers, uh, I was very much involved with the color marketing group. We were doing color forecasting. Interesting, you know, depending on where that color forecasting, whether it was North America, South America, Europe, Asia, um, it was always different. And I think there's what I've observed is color is a really it's very intense subject um, and very complex to learn. A lot of designers and I'm not being disrespectful to the design industry, but what what I have discovered is many designers don't understand undertones. They don't understand color as much as they should because they probably aren't taught it in their interior design programming. Architects, I think, get even perhaps maybe less uh, training in color. And so, you know, there, there's so much, color is so complex, but, you know, I'm so, when I hear designers or, or people do the color psychology and say, you know, red stands for this and blue stands for this and yellow stands for this. You really have to take it into context of culture, you know, who that individual is, you know, where they come from, their culture, because, um, you know, an Asian culture is going to have a different approach or feeling uh, to color versus maybe a North American. Yeah. And so, so about the, the, how we say the, the, the association you you have. Yes. Yeah. yeah association with color. And, yeah. and it is quite complex. It's so complex that, you know, in our certain certification, which uh, launches in October, um, our science and design certification, we've dedicated two chapters to color and we haven't even scratched the surface. Now, one of the things we like using, one of the tools we use is a NYX. It's a color sensor um, um, management system. And so for designers, if you are looking at colors and you want to make sure you get the exact right match to whatever um, paint company or palettes you're working with, when you're using a, um, a product like NYX, it will um, identify the elements and then tell you where you can, or the 
identify the color and then tell you which palettes, whether it's an NCS, whether it's a Benjamin Moore, Sherwin-Williams, Farrow and Ball. I mean, they have hundreds of palettes in their color monitoring system. And I think that's another good tool for designers to work with because there's always a different conversation or a different understanding of color between your client and you. And it's it's hard to make a decision. You almost get decision um, fatigue because there's so many choices of of, of even one particular color. If you look at gray, you know, yeah. all the gray, there's so many different. And so getting it right is extremely challenging. And my advice is to, to really have in your toolbox, somebody that is an expert on color that you can, you can rely on. Yeah, cool. But yeah, we, we do experience that color is a really powerful thing. We talked about it with another podcast about with uh, Gabriela Guzman. Yes. Um, about um, uh, from from uh, uh, that some people don't like green or they don't like blue. What is it? You know, they they have to. The thing was they they kind of have this wrong associations with it, or the the they need more rest and comfort. But they are telling them that I don't need that. I want those bright and orange and uh, and reds to get more energized. So there was a really mismatch with the signs and the inner feeling about that. But it's really, uh, well, th- this power, we always love to talk about, we, we're kind of uh, um, known by the why guys for a lot of people. We always do ask why whenever new prospect. I only want to know why, 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 why do you don't want this? Why do you like that? And when you come really to the deepest levels, you have this kind of, well, let's call it primal feeling almost like, ah, once I experience that color or that object or shape, and it reminds me of, and you see the eyes are twinkling, they get goosebumps, they are like, oh, wow, I want this. And then you create this, this mesmerizing environment for them that they can really thrive in. So it's it's wonderful that you can tap in those emotions. And even with science, like you said, you can prove it or you can use science to create the exact color you would like to experience, right? And I think in order, and for the designers, what's really important, I think, is to, in order to design for the human, you have to know where we came. And Mike, you know, often um, it really references that evolutionary inheritance, right, Mike? Yeah, I was just, I actually was just thinking about that. We have to understand, and and in this in this world of neuroaesthetics, uh, one of the things that the academics, the scholars will talk about is where we've come from. You know, we essentially are who we have been. And when you when you think about that, it's really it's really deep because all of us are it, have, it, 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 it we're all in the middle of this incredible R and D experiment. You know, we are the sum of all who have been before us, and we are contributing to who we will be in the millions of years ahead. And to understand um, who who we are today, we need to look back at how we've experienced how our ancestors experienced life. You know, for instance, you know, we sit at a window seat today and we love sipping our coffee and looking out uh, out the window at, at the prospect of what's out there. <laughs> well, you know, that's an evolutionary inheritance. You know, re- we can't remember the days, but in our DNA are the days of living in a cave, very safe, uh, a refuge and looking out at the prospect of what is out there in the, in the land. And so our brains have evolved to be a perfect example of organized complexity. And so with that as a backdrop, our brains seek out organized complexity. It's why we love fractal beauty. Ah. Uh, it's why it, it, they, we, it's boring. It's boring to look at a straight line. But when you add extensions to that straight line, when you give it pattern, when you give it complexity, but organized complexity, and that's the difference between the clutter idea and and and, and organized complexity, we it feeds us. We need it. It's yeah. it's an urge for. It's not something that we. It's a passive interest. We we seek it out. And there was this, um, we, one of our faculty members is Richard Taylor out of the University of Oregon, and he's a specialist in fractal fluency. And um, he just did a study with Mohawk carpets. I don't know whether you have Mohawk over in, in Europe or not, uh, but commercial, it's a major, commercial, primarily commercial yeah, it's a major carpeting firm yeah. over here. And uh, so they hired Richard to develop the perfect level of fractal intensity. Yeah, talking uh, about Dr. Richard Taylor, right? 
This is Dr. Yeah. Richard Taylor yeah. out of the University of Oregon. And so he worked with them to create the, a perfect carpet for commercial installations. And they have begun marketing this carpet line as the relaxing floor series of carpet because he was able to tell them just what was the perfect level of fractal intensity, enough patterning to attract and calm the uh, the inhabitant. I can imagine so, that it is like you are walking on a on moss in the forest or what what, what is what is it what's the test to this primal it, feeling? You know, it it really is. And and it, it, you know, just by mentioning that, you know, we we are so connected to nature. I mean, remember um, a million years ago, there were no shoes. We didn't have shoes, so we were directly connected to the earth. And yes, walking along moss and walking in these patterned floors, seeing the patterns, because we seek it out, we're saying to ourselves subliminally, oh, I feel connected in this room. Um, yeah. I feel calm in this room. I have so, this I have this guilty pleasure, Michael, in the, with, with, with waving curtains. I don't uh, know where it comes from. I, I'm getting, I have so many videos on my phone from waving curtains in the sunshine. I'm getting I, I'm getting so happy about it always. It's like a medicine for me. I just put the video on and I'm I'm getting healed or so something. I don't okay, know where so it's come from, but it's definitely from well, it's that the, flow. the sunshine, the canopies. Well, yeah, the and you know when you've got you've got a combination of the things that are happening. You've got that flow, that curve feeling, that softness. Yeah. The light that's that's um, you know coming through that's uh, broken up. Um, yeah. You might even have shadows within the space, depending on the patterning in your curtain. That all plays into this exciting feel, and that's you know that kind of gives you that awe feeling, which is the fifteenth uh, pattern of biophilic design. And we learn a lot from uh, biophilic design through um, terrapin bright green, which is um, you know uh, you know is is um, somebody that we to go to. They've been they've been around for a long time, and and they are really consult often uh, consulted on um on various biophilic um uh, projects globally uh, from commercial to to all levels I, I yeah but because the aspects of biophilic design are connected to nature so that uh, could be a great uh, a great discipline but it, it's wonderful that you talk about a, a, a carpet that you don't see the carpet as hey, what, what's the purpose of a carpet now it's interesting because um uh, yeah. that, that you know, Dr. Richard Taylor out of the University of Oregon. And if anybody wants to get in touch with him, just reach out to us and we'll help connect you. But um, he's also an expert at Jackson Pollock painting. So he analyzes fractals. And I, I originally thought fractals were, you know, very mathematical, very structured. But what we've learned through Richard and through Terrapin Bright Green is that fractals are can be really organic. So clouds can be organic, are organic or think of flames in a fire. Think of your yeah. clients when they have a fireplace. Why do so many of us want to have, you know, that that? I prefer um, a real fireplace to see the flickering flames as opposed to, you know, um, a gas, um, a, a electric fireplace. Still going to stimulate the same feeling, but those are more organic type of fractals, um, you know, repeating patterns, different shapes, slightly different in, in pattern versus a fern leaf that's very you know, precise on its on its fractal patterning. But something that we do talk about, and we actually have um, Richard Taylor is one of our faculty talking about um, the importance of fractals and how it affects your clients and why you should be using it and why you should be incorporating. And too much is no good and too little is no good. So you've got to find that perfect balance. Yeah, is it an individual balance then? If you talk about residential design, for example? I want to, well, you know, when you're dealing commercial, obviously you're designing for the masses, right? Yes, so, that's 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 another that's another thing. But when when you we a lot of designers have to deal with individuals, although it can be short, a small company or a restaurant or what, whatever, but they need to deal in some way with their individual emotions or the way of how they see their brand of the feeling they want to create. Yeah. How, how does it work for a residential? Because you do know those minimalistic design bunkers with from concrete, glass, and hey. steel. You know, and I I have to admit that was, you know, the style that I always thought I loved. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I kind of uh, almost convinced my adult children that that was the style that they were going to love, too, that very uh, minimalistic. And it's a beautiful look. 
But yeah. what we're learning from science, and when we talk to various people that are um, academia that study this, and there's a lot of research out there on this, so it's not me and Mike saying this, it's we're, we're going to research, is, is that, you know, the brain needs detail. It needs a certain amount of detail. We're scanning for detail, and we're pulling back. We're scanning and we're pulling back. And when you're in an environment that is devoid completely of detail, you may think you like that, but what actually ends up happening is, is to some degree, it's going to increase your, your stress levels, your cortisol, you're not going to feel as as relaxed as you think you are. A lot of hard edges. And when we think about nature, you know, there isn't a great amount. Like, give me an example of a right angle in nature. I can say maybe crystals or, or a certain stone, but yeah. most patterns are very organic in shape. And when you're in a very hard-edged, right-angled environment with virtually, you know, all monochromatic color, you know, or, or, or all white on white on white and, and very little detail it's going to affect you in a more negative impact you in a more negative way. But that doesn't mean to say that, that, that minimalistic design is bad. It's just going to need elements in there, whether it's fractal patterning through fireplaces and other things, maybe it's color. You have to have the balance and only you are really going to understand your client. And, um, you know, and we've sought out a really interesting, um, um, professor that or, she's a doctor, actually, uh, Dr. Rebecca Tapia, and she's going to, talk about how to kind of diagnose your clients and the questions you should be asking. Yeah. Yeah. She's a specialist in, in brain trauma and, and uh, brain, uh, the impact of the brain. And, and she's doing a class force in our certification program uh, that will help designers determine the symptoms that need to be addressed with elements of design. So she's going to, as a doctor, she's going to help our designers uh, not so much play doctor, but ex- extract from the client, you know, what the fundamental needs and emotional needs are. But, you know, great. Yeah, you have, you, you have great stuff going on there in uh, science and design, Michael, Linda. It's, you, you are connecting so, so, so many, well, uh, experts on all kinds of level together to, uh, to, to spread your message. So we're definitely, uh, uh, would like to cooperate on that one to uh, to inform people about the, the possibilities on this uh, these kind of things because I know there are people who want to to dive deeper in this uh, in this kind of material. Uh, although they are, they don't have to be the professor or the doctor at the end, but they do want to use this kind of aspects in their own business, in their interior designs, in their because it will it will raise their value at the end and it will make us feel better. Uh? It will very much rate. I'm sorry, Linda, but real quick, it absolutely will change the value perception of of an individual designer, but also of the industry. And and it, you know, we'd love to find a way to work with you, Mark. I mean, and I know a lot of our faculty members would love a trip to Europe to uh, put together a day or two. And so would Linda and I uh, enjoy a trip to Europe to put together a couple of days uh, summit on the science and design. Uh, and that's the way we got started a couple of years ago. We just decided to uh, do day long summits uh, at design centers throughout the United States and Toronto. And uh, the response was so positive from designers. You know, the words we heard back were um, cutting edge. This is game changing. And the most important word we heard was validating that designers, science is now validating what designers have been doing for years. And that it's so it's so empowering uh, to to know that, you know, what you have suspected intuitively is actually documented now. And it's it's quite revel- revelatory some some, some people are scared eh? some people are scared about it about technology about ai about all this stuff but you see here a very positive use of technology in our field eh? that actually is elevating all those emotions and measuring all these emotions and actually able to create all the emotions on another level and the level we are looking for but because we want to eh? you you started the podcast with uh, creating pleasure or designing pleasure. I really do like that because that's uh, we, we all want to be happy at the end. That's all what we are doing is to feel to make us feel happy. Uh, at the end, that's the core. Why are you designing a place? To make you feel happy. Why are you doing anything in your life? You want to feel happy. 
Yeah. I want to add to, I just want to add to what Mike um, just said. Uh, one of the, you know, as a marketing person one of, um, and running the design center, one of the problems that I heard over and over again from the design industry, especially residential, well, actually every sector, um, was the client and the budget, slashing the budget, cutting the budget, the budget, the budget, the budget. How do I sell this to my boss? How do I sell this? And And this was really profound for me when I heard Don Ruggles uh, presentation. And at the end of his presentation, he, and, and this will stay with me for life. And I really want every one of you to understand how important this is. When you have science backing you up, the next time your client pulls out a red pen and starts slashing your budget, mm-hmm. you now can go back to them and say, you're actually impacting your health. You're, 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 hurting yourself you're hurting your family you're pulling away you're you're pulling things out of the design that are actually going to improve your health do you really want to do that and it gives such power back to the designers we all know especially in residential all of a sudden you pick up a client and that client now wants to, oh they, they come up with oh i've always wanted to be a designer they get onto the internet they start on the Wayfair, they start buying a sofa for $200 and, you know, and, and look at, you know, budget. I found it cheaper than you. They think that they can do your job. What this is going to do for all of you on this call, whether you are a designer or a furniture a manufacturer or, or, or a product manufacturer um, or sales, it's really going to give you back the power because your clients are not going to understand science the way you are going to understand it. Your clients are not going to understand the human the way you're going to understand the human. You're going to use evidence-based design to really help them understand that they should be increasing their budget, not decreasing it. And that goes for every aspect of interior design and architecture. So I always you know, think of Don Ruggles when, with that one comment because that is really, at the end of the day, that's one of our biggest struggles is when a client wants to slash the budget or not increase it. So that gives you tools. We've mentioned Don a couple of times now. And, uh, Poor Don. Uh, I, he probably feels think, like we're putting him up on a pedestal. <laughs> Where is he? Where is he? Why is he not here? <laughs> no, on yeah. that. Well, Actually, no, he is this. here. Look, he is on the call. But I'm not oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I see. <laughs> anyway. No, no, no. We don't. We don't uh, no. That'll be another yeah, me, call. This is too life for him, maybe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Let, let me just say this, though, because we've mentioned him and um, we and because he's been so uh, so supportive of what Linda and I are trying to do, I do want to mention that uh, his book is called Beauty, Neuroscience, and Architecture. And if you haven't read it yet, get it. Um, you have to. Um, it's a great primer um, for what we're talking about. And the book was also turned into a film documentary called Built Beautiful. And that you can find on on the your 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 major streaming. Apple services. Play. We will. You mentioned so many names and books and links and and, and professors. So we will uh, we will try to make a list of that. And if so, we uh, we do prefer your help on help on that one. We will create a, a landing page for your podcast. We always do, and we put all the information uh, out there for the people who would like to know more. Um, and he that's that's time. inclusive, including me. I want to know more about this. So. Well, Mike and uh, Alinda, we we can talk a lot about it, and uh, you gave already so much uh, good advice about how we get, how we need to act as interior designers because I'm, I'm, that, that's the way how I see it. Yeah, we need to. We need to own it. Yeah, you need to own it, yeah. and that's that's what we what we teach our uh, our community, our interior designers, in our memberships and trainings to to to. Take the authority. Take, be a, be a guide. Guide them of because we do know more about aesthetics and beauty and and feeling. And sometimes uh, clients are just uh, looking at the way because of television shows or whatever that is uh, this this pretty room uh, pretty room problem, like you call it. That needs to change, and that's the whole idea of why we are uh, why we've built this institute. To take uh, to take action on that, to, we don't need to, you know, uh, live for the trends. This is no. not trend. No, this is not no, trend. No, no, this is a philosophy. All. This is a way of, uh, you know, a way of life. This is really designing for the human, and you know, and so when, so don't get caught up. Like, remember, Mike and I are marketing people, and we know we've been trained to figure out those buzzwords using neuroscience in our marketing uh, for other products to how to attract your attention. And so when you hear color of the year, we're not putting down the paint companies, um, but but be, you know, be cautious because trends are very short lived. 
And this is not short lived. This, this, this is, is game changing. This, this is, is changing. Listen, we're breaking the mold. Um, there's just no question. We're breaking the mold yeah. of what uh, is it, how interior design is perceived. And that's yeah. actually, since it looks like we're we're winding down, let me give you one quote. Um, if we might want to end with this, yes, uh, this is from Professor Harry Malgrave, uh, a renowned neuroscientist out of the University of Pennsylvania, Illinois Institute of Technology. And he says, I believe we're on the verge of a revolution in the way we approach design. Moving forward, it will be guided by a more basic understanding of the human organism and its immediate relationship with the built environment. And then he says, this is the epiphany that needs to take place. And so that's where we are. And and Linda and I are trying to make that change in our industry to cause that positive effect. And anybody that wants to join us to help us, we're constantly building the spider web. We're reaching out to talk to as many people as we can. And uh, we're a delivery system. So please, to all of you, feel free to, to contact us. Uh, go Please go to scienceindesign.com. And if you like the certification program, you know, sign up on the wait list for the certification program. Also, please join us in High Point. Uh, High Point is, is maturing as a center for arts and design. And so we have a day-long symposium on October 13th in High Point, North Carolina. We do that, we do that, we do it, we put it on our website, Mike, because this is um this is this is this is great to put it out there that people can join if they yes. want. We put all the information out there. Yeah, we'll because people people will listen to this podcast later on uh, that are not joining us live. And uh, so um, I would love to, uh, yeah. Great story, Mike and Linda. Uh, yeah, yeah you, you gave me a little bit when we first met with our NL video call, you gave us a little bit. Of, and I, I literally told you, don't tell me too much because I do always <laughs> love the surprising element of all this knowledge and, uh, and expertise. And it, it, it worked. I think um, a lot of people um, liked it. I saw them uh, writing uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, writing a lot actually. You got a lot and, uh, of comments. You a lot of comments. Yes. So uh, thanks a lot, all of you for for being here and listening to the Beyond the Terror Design uh, podcast. This is uh, we are on the same mission uh, like you. Uh, uh, we want to elevate the the. The, the profession interior design is not about dragging beautiful stuff into a building. It's it's way more. So we need to give the the all the creators in the world the tools to take their uh, take the stage and uh, and and take their place to uh, to create the most beautiful environments because they are eventually they're good for our health and happiness. So uh, that's what what we need right now in this uh, this some 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 roller coaster time. Huh? Let's call it that way. With all this fast-moving technology and all the stuff uh, around us, and we 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 are so yearning for this to slow it down, for this easy lifestyle and easy life, eh? no no distractions. So, when uh, interior design can help a lot with that, it can it can heal us. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for Thank having you, us on. Thank you from the Thank science you. design. I'm checking out from Canada. Mike. Thank you from North America. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. Before you go, only 32% of the listeners follow this podcast. So if you like this Beyond the Terror Design podcast, don't forget to press the follow button in your app. This way you won't miss a thing. And this way you'll also help us to get a higher ranking so we can inspire even more creatives. So please take a moment to click that follow button. And... If you want to discover more about how to take your interior design studio to the next level, go to beyondtheterrordesign.club. I repeat, beyondtheterrordesign.club. That's club. We can help you with free video series, masterclasses, advanced training programs, or get mentored by me and my team so your interior design studio is set up for great success. You no longer have to do it all by yourself. We're in your corner. So start here, beyondterrordesign.club. See you there. This podcast is an initiative of the Institute of Ontario Impact.